This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Now, for many of us sitting at home trying to learn how to play this jazz thing better, become better musicians, we find that backing tracks can be really helpful to practice along with, to stay motivated, to have fun while practicing. And on today's episode, I have a special guest, Quist, who is a Danish-born jazz guitar player. He's a recording artist, and he also makes quite a few backing tracks himself to help his audience practice. And he gives some great tips of how to practice along with backing tracks, most effective ways to do that, along with a bunch of other awesome, really cool topics that we talk about and his tips and tricks for musical improvement. So you're going to really get a lot out of this episode. We have a great conversation with Quist. So much to learn. So buckle in, get ready to learn, and let's do this thing. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. All right, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. And hey, welcome to 2021. This is the first episode of the new year, and I'm really stoked. And I don't know about you, I like to think of the new year. I'm one of those people that likes to think of the new year as a new chapter, a new beginning. I know a lot of us could use that around right now. I think it's a healthy mindset if channeled in the right way. And so right now, I'm pumped up about this podcast. I'm pumped up about this year and serving you the best I can, helping you grow as a jazz player and a musician. And to help us get that party started, like I said, we have special guest Quist on the show today to you know help us attain our musical goals. We have a lot of great banter in today's episode, a lot of different topics covered. We do, like I said, talk about jam tracks and some effective ways to practice over them, uh, other effective things for practicing and uh, improving in general. Uh, Quist, by the way, uh, is a remarkable musician. You should check him out over at his YouTube channel. It's youtube.com forward slash Quist TV. That's Q-U-I-S-T. So Quist TV. Uh, he has awesome stuff. He has over 200 10,000 subscribers over there, lots of jam tracks, lots of uh, uh, licks, all kinds of really cool stuff. Also, Quist is going to be one of our speakers at Learn Jazz Live 2021, which is our virtual summit that we are hosting on February 27th through 28th. He has a really awesome masterclass lined up that you're definitely not going to want to miss. And if you'd like to help Quist out today, make sure you go through his link, which is learnjazzstandards.com forward slash Quist, learnjazzstandards.com forward slash Quist and sign up for Learn Jazz Live 2021. This is a virtual summit you are absolutely not going to want to miss. And I, when I say that, I mean it. We have 20-plus speakers giving away amazing workshops, uh, live Q&As. It's going to be the jazz event of the year. So don't miss that. Go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash quist and get your ticket over there. All right. Without further ado, let's get on quist. 
Today, welcoming on the show is guitarist Quist, who is a professional performing musician. He's played at venues such as the Hollywood Bowl and Royal Albert Hall. His jam tracks improvisations have garnered 110 million views on YouTube and helped build a solid community of musicians who share his passion for improvisation. Welcome on the show, Quist. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, it's so great to have you. And I mean, you're such, uh, well, first of all, I, I just love your YouTube channel and your jams and the amazing things you teach on it. And just obviously your playing is just so great. And so a great place to start is, uh, you know, as far, you play a lot of different styles of music, but as far as jazz goes and improvisation, like how did that all get started for you and you got into, uh, I guess, music in general? Uh, well, that that was like, uh, you know, teenage years when you're just like, you know, I was just seeking more and more, cha- you know, kind of challenges with, within music. And, and inevitably, you know, you end up with like bebop and, and jazz because <laughs> yeah. like, you know, <clears throat> it, it, it ain't easy and it's fun to it's a fun riddle and a fun puzzle to 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 to, you know, to try and 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 uh, and, and get to, you know, and and and. and sort of use and understand uh, so you know i was i went sort of from rock to uh through fusion and then ended up in and had a, a, a pure like bebop jazz kind of period for uh, for quite a while and then ended up um getting invited to uh audition for the royal academy of music in in london where they have a jazz course this, the, you know the, the same one that uh, you probably know Jacob Collier, mm-hmm. um, the, the same one that he that he that he went to, and uh, and I, you know I went there much earlier, um, a long time before him. But um, you know, I, so I, I had a, a period where I just really dug into to jazz and, and straight up jazz because uh, you know th- that was that was the passion. And then, uh, but you know, since then I uh, sort of uh, you know when I basically when I started studying, I also got I got my first. Um, got involved in my first um, like signed project with Sony Music in Denmark, and we did. I did the first record that was like nothing to do with jazz. So I sort of uh, had my passion for jazz and, and that whole thing. And then at the same time, uh, my sort of career would led me out, you know, outside of you know traditional jazz playing. So and and uh, and so I've I've always kind of had a foot in a in a few different um, camps, you know. So I'm a little confused, but uh, but uh, <laughs> but certainly passionate about playing jazz. Well, you do it all so well, like just your command on your instrument and the way you're able to play different styles so well. And your thanks, man. Uh, your jazz playing is just so remarkably good. The language that you've developed, and I know that everybody listening right now is just going to be incredibly curious. And especially if they know you and have checked you out, they're going to be especially curious about how you're able to develop such incredible jazz vocabulary. But I was thinking about as you were saying this, you know, here in New York, if you show up to uh, a jazz club, you know, there's kind of two different kinds of people that are there. One is like the actual tourist who's there and, you know, they just know that that's the thing to do is you go to a jazz club in New York City. But everybody else is just actual musicians. And so it's funny that you mentioned, you know, you were looking for a challenge and that just seems to be jazz just seems to be a a music that musicians who just want to seek a challenge like they go to, I guess. Yeah, well, it's an endless puzzle, you know, to kind of uh, puzzle to to try and... uh you know, master and, uh, you know, the jazz vocabulary is, is, let's say, you know, it's an interesting thing and it's an, it's, you, you know, you can, you can keep on developing your, uh, your kind of vocabulary for, forever, you know, and, uh, become more and more refined. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, 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 
I love that kind of kind of thing. You know, it's just uh, there's there's nothing like jazz language in terms of you know in, interesting harmonic um, language. You know, for, for for me anyway. And in terms of improvisation, you know, there's kind of different. You know, people come at it from different ways, especially those who kind of were into other music first and then got into jazz. Did you have any of a classical training at all or, or are you very much an ear based player or what's kind of like your how how is that transition for you into improv? You know, is it did you think a lot about theory? Was it a lot of just learning stuff by recordings? Like what was that that like for you? Uh yeah, I th- I did a lot of learning by recording for sure, yeah. I, uh, and I always, you know, ad- advocate that and I always, you know, tell people that that's a great especially now where everything is so readily available on the internet you know i think probably i could imagine a lot of people starting out are not using that pathways as much as as maybe people people in previous generations did but yeah i i certainly learned a lot from just listening you know i think even if you get it wrong it helps you uh yeah immensely it helps you immensely immensely you know having done that work and um and so, yeah, I, I did a lot of learning by ear. Um, but yeah, I, I also, I mean, I kind of grew up with blues. My dad is a big blues dude. So, um, I mean, he likes blues. He's not a blues musician. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but so I, I, I grew up being fed a lot of blues. So I kind of came in at it from that perspective as well. So like my favorite kind of jazz is jazz blues i would say you know like there's if you ask me to jam i'm gonna say can we play jazz blues yeah well i mean that's sort of my go-to i mean that when you go to like a jam session it's just like you know everybody you know they call like a different tune they call like i don't know they call like confirmation or whatever but really secretly you just want to play a b-flat blues that's like, yeah, yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, no, I, I won't even be secret about it because, I mean, I got to be honest with, with you, you know, I I, I don't carry around. I mean, there was a time when I carried around a, a, a pretty good selection of standards in my sort of immediate vocabulary, but I, I don't anymore. Uh, I do, like you say, you know, I, I do a lot of different things and I, I, I kind of focus on creating uh, in my day-to-day life and, and have for a long, long time. So... So I, I, my sort of immediate uh, book of standards that's um, readily available in my brain, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty slim. Uh, I got to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have similarly, like at one point I learned a ton of jazz standards, like, like to be specific right. one year, I learned 100 jazz standards in a year. Um, that's it was, ridiculous. It was wow. ridiculous. It was just crazy. But you know, right. how many of those, How did you do that? what was that? How did you do that? I just learned one a week. Well, I mean, I had a teacher. He had like a little program for me. Like it, it was in between high school and, and college. And right. he, you know, I just stayed, stayed back and studied with this teacher because he, he got me into jazz. Like, I mean, I was into jazz before, but he got me serious about jazz. Right. And um, he had this like program for me. Like I transcribed, not written down, but like learned a jazz solo, like 32 bars of a jazz solo a week. I learned one new jazz standard, uh, no, three new jazz standards a week. Um there's some wow. other things, learning chord voicings and like, you know, different, different kind of challenges like that. I played one gig every single week. That is just part of this thing my teacher put together for me. So it, I That's had amazing. that, uh, it was, it was motivation for sure, but it was also just having someone to kind of guide me through the process. But the funny thing is yeah. like, I, I learned all those tunes, but how many of those do I know now? Definitely not all 100 of them, but I wonder if you can, right. res- like you could relate to this as well Is even though I don't know near like i definitely don't know all those tunes anymore 
the process of learning all those tunes, and especially I tried to learn as many of them as I could by ear, obviously checking chord charts as well, but, mm-hmm. you know, that just like exploded my ears and my ability to hear music better and just understand jazz harmony. So even if you don't know all the tunes anymore, like it's yeah, the musical lessons are, are there, you know? Yeah, no, of course you will have absorbed uh, an enormous amount of, uh, of information in, in various ways. Uh, quite inspired by that. Uh, <laughs> what you're telling me there, <laughs> like as a boot camp, kind of, you know, one year situation where you say, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, you, you will have come out like having improved immensely, I'm sure, uh, uh, out of that year. And whenever I tell this story on the podcast or it just comes up, I always have to say for the listeners who, you know, definitely this is, you don't have to do anything like I did in order to, you know, reach your goals as a, as, as a jazz player, especially, um, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the listeners are, are, are hobbyists and they, they, they do this for fun. They're not trying to, they weren't like me or you trying to do this professionally or anything. So I always have to clarify mm-hmm. that, you know, don't be intimidated by that story. It's just, you know, yeah. it's just a part of my, my story, I suppose. But it does say also that, you know, when you want to learn something like good, like setting something up that's to do with doing something regularly and having regular, you know, habits and, and, and writing something down and, and sort of getting it, getting an overview of what you're trying to achieve. All of those things are, you know, whether you're whether you're a hobbyist or, or, or a professional, those things are incredibly valuable, you know, um, well, you were just telling me before we like actually started recording that you just got off doing speaking to that you just got off doing one new release a day talk about that for a second because that's that's also like dedication and the lesson of you know if you want to get at something good be consistent right yeah i mean i uh, because i put out uh these uh you know i i i compile like the the albums of jam tracks and everything that i make and uh and and put them out you know i put them out on my website and uh and in the last year i've started putting them out um on a new um spotify profile as well i've finally given in to the world of streaming and uh and and said okay i'm gonna you know put them over there so so um sort of have started putting out a, a few more uh albums and stuff and uh one way to you know achieve that you know goal of of being a little more productive is to do these for example these themed weeks that i that i sometimes do so i'm like you know my my blues album like straight up uh, or blues in various forms actually i wouldn't i wouldn't say straight up blues albums but they're like my blues albums are called into the blues uh, and it's like a series they're they're my uh, most popular ones Uh, i have an into jazz blues which is um, very popular as well but i've made a a long line of, of like blues albums and so i in order to have material to put out more of those, I'm like, well, when I do a themed week, I'll have seven tracks done that, you know, that, um, to the, to the level that I will have to be able to, to live with them, you know, and, and, and all done in, in a week. So I'm like, well, that, so that means I have, you know, another three to pick from, from, um, uh, pick or create, um, in order to have a full album. So it's like, you know, I try to give myself little, you know, when you know that you have something you want to achieve, like say, you know, hey, I want to put out an album. Well, if I do this, I can, um, I, I, I know that it will be a, a, a productive time. Um, 
and um, and also, you know, obviously I'm doing it because people have responded favorably to these kind of themed weeks that I've done before. So, uh, so yeah, I put out these themed weeks I've done. I did a jazz week, you know, um, it's a little while ago. Um, but yeah, I've done several blues weeks and uh, I'm going to do, a, I had a request for a modal week and, you know, I, nice. I, I get, I, I get pretty, pretty nerdy about things on my channel. You know, I'm about to put out a two, five, one album as well. One of my, oh, it's great. Um, one of my sort of, um, popular tracks from, from way back is a two, five, one jam in C. And so, and I've never put out a, an album of these, uh, even though I have loads of them. So I'm going to compile one of those in the very near future. I've started doing it. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's great because uh, I'm thinking about the two, five, one track. It's great because like, I mean, essentially when you think about jazz, right. If you know the two, five, one, if you know the major and the minor two, five, one, I mean, that pretty much, you're pretty much set you know not completely but mostly you know because that's mostly what jazz harmony is it's a series of two five ones rearranged in different directions you know so true yeah it's like you know it's like when you got that building blocked down you're like okay i'm ready to i'm ready to go you know i'm ready to play some jazz but if you haven't gotten some kind of idea of how to navigate that building block you know you're you're, uh you're going to be in trouble pretty quick trying to do anything that's remotely jazzy so I know that a lot of folks in my audience use jam tracks, you know, because they, uh, you know, maybe they don't have anyone in their town or city to play with, or there's no jam ses- sessions around, or just in general, right? Like practice, it's easy to practice at home with with a jam track. I'm wondering, what are your recommendations for practicing with jam tracks? Is there, is there effective or most, um, you know, be- best practices for working with them at all? Well, one of the things that I uh, talk about uh, a bit at the moment, um, I've started doing these kind of licks live streams where we talk about licks. And one of the the things that um, I talk about a lot is how to use like jam tracks to build like licks into your vocabulary. So, you know, when when you've picked up a new lick uh, from wherever you might pick up a lick, it's like... uh, you know, one way to, to make that lick, not just like some some combination of notes that you've randomly learned, uh, you know, a, a way to build them into your actual vocabulary. And so that you can, you know, next time you're at a jam session, you can whip it out in any any key, any any kind of vibe and groove. One way to, to achieve that, you know, where, where it's actually a, a usable part of your vocabulary, that, that you know, one way to, to make that happen is to, to take your licks and give them a good old workout on jam tracks. And so like, you know, to, to say, well, I've learned this lick in a minor or whatever. And then you go, okay, well, let me try it on a, on a, a, a jam track that's somewhat similar to where, where I learned this, this lick from. And, but then after that, you know, you're like, okay, well, let's learn it in, some different keys with the steel with the same feel and then you know see how see how that develops every uh, everything and then you know more importantly as well try to use jam tracks that are completely different like a completely different feel completely different vibe you know um when you when you use your licks on 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 different things you know they start to mold into different things and the more you do it the more it becomes very likely your, your kind of thing 
as well. You know, like you'll end up changing what you've learned a little bit, which is fine. You know, it's like that's part of the process that makes it you. So I kind of see my jam tracks as, uh, you know, as a tool for people to do that kind of thing, you know, to, to use them as a transformational tool, you know, to, to build on their own voices. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so I hope that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. There's a lot there. So you mentioned playing stuff in different keys, which is Mm -hmm. obviously really powerful for ingraining. Well, one thing that stood out to me to two different things you said there that have the same theme is, you know, playing in different keys offers, different flexibility and feelings and sounds and perspectives to the same piece of music. Also, you were mentioning playing, playing over a different style altogether from what you originally learned the lick in gives it, yeah. is it, is it that it gives it a different perspective or different feeling? What's your thought? Your yeah. Like say, you know, that? if you so, say, you know, if you've learned a lick and it was, you know, swung, for example, but played on like a straight groove in a, in a, with a completely different tempo, but still try and fit it in and, and make something out of it. Uh, you know, chances are it's going to become kind of something else, but that's an, but that's now a new lick. You've gained more from it and it's become something, maybe you like it more as a straight thing in 16th on a different vibe. And you're like, Oh, this is really cool. This is, you know, flying in a whole other way. Like, you know, to explore your licks like that, I think is, is really valuable. Um, and instead of just saying, well, this lick has to be played at a, you know, approximately a 180 to <laughs> 210 uh, at a swinging, you know, like to kind of take your, your, your bits and, and, and licks and, and try and really work them out uh, and apply them in lots of different scenarios, you know, I think can really help to bend them into, um, your, a usable form, you know, where they can become part of your language in a whole, on a whole other level than, than if you only allow yourself to use them in one kind of way. Well, I think that angle is really interesting because I'm, I, when I think about jazz and improvisation in general, it's very conversational. I mean, oftentimes mm-hmm. jazz is best played with other musicians. And so oftentimes when I hear anxiety from my members or my audience, they're expressing that, like, I learned this thing. I learned the chord tones. I learned how to voice lead them. I learned this lick. But when I got to the point in the song where I wanted to play it, I couldn't execute it properly. So they were trying mm-hmm. to, like, almost force something in there. And the right. reason it didn't work or it didn't sound authentic or genuine to themselves and what they were doing is because they were essentially taking a piece of language that was used in a very specific context and they were trying to jam it through a hole. But the idea right. of practicing a piece of music a phrase or anything really in all these different contexts tempo style feel different keys is that you're starting to learn how to express that piece of music you know with different situations that arise like for example like we couldn't have this conversation right now if all i knew was how to respond if you specifically asked me this one question right like i would be I'd be like anxious and confused about this conversation. So yeah. <laughs> I kind of just have to practice talking and, you know, responding to different people's comments. I, I feel like exactly, it's the same yeah. thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. You know, um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's just uh, developing a flexibility and, uh, and, 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 you know, ma- making your vocabulary kind of, kind of broader. Um, but obviously, you know, it doesn't necessarily work. For everything, like you say, you know, sometimes you try to cram a thing into a context where it's like, it's just like, ugh, 
that's that doesn't belong there <laughs> or whatever but then you learn from that and and it becomes some, something else or you just don't do that lick in that kind of vibe but um but but yeah as a as a sort of um as a way of practicing i think it's uh it's really valuable so you know that's why i have many of my um jam tracks are built upon other uh you know you might see that as a it's a sign of laziness um, because I, I like I'll take a certain <laughs> jam track, and I'll say, "Well, I'm going to take these chords, and, and literally take the whole keyboard part or whatever, and I will build a, the, the same structure, uh, the same chord progression, but with a different feel or at a different tempo, uh, or and then I'll take that same thing and then I'll do that in a different key and so forth. So you know, uh, I, I just uh, just the other day actually during Blues Week I put out my t- 1000 video wow um, congratulations so so it's, so it's a few uh, tracks um but you know having said that like i'm saying many many are built from the skeletons of others so you know you've literally taken a track and you've and you've um put it in a different key or you've applied a different feel underneath the same progression and you know that kind of thing so um and and i'm doing that purposely like i say you know so that you can um do those things like we were just saying you know um, uh, trying out into things in different keys and trying them out with different feels the other thing i kind of like about jam tracks backing tracks play alongs whatever you call them is you know it's hard to find even if you did have someone to play with it's kind of hard to find someone that for one hour will play you know three chords with you (laughs) and just let you (laughs) try a million things over top of it it could yeah, be like, no, totally. So it could be like really helpful to use them in that content when you think about that. You know what I mean? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I, and I did. I mean, I did that for myself when I, because uh, I didn't have anybody else. Like when I was uh, a kid, you know, I, I literally recorded my own, like five minutes on C Lydian, and five minutes on you know Mixolydian, whatever. Like um, just a metronome and a guitar, like a playing a thing for five minutes and then i would play you know wind rewind and play on top of that with like a little looper pedal or something no well um i was i actually did it on a boom box like it or what are they called uh like a cassette player oh nice i, I had a cassette player so i, so I literally literally recorded uh, a, a, a tape of uh, modal jams well i would do like five minutes on each mode with a metronome so so the recording was me playing the chords for five minutes with a metronome and then i would rewind and just play you know to that that's really cool (laughs) i love hearing those little like inside stories of how like musicians like trained themselves you know it's like little little things like you know recording on a cassette player which you know um you know anyone who is was born you know in the last 10 years has no clue what that is (laughs) yeah yeah i know well it says something about my age but um but yeah you know that can still be done now, you know, maybe people would do it with a, a loop pedal or, or whatever. Um, but, uh, but I, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed it because it, you know, you, 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 you're, you're practicing various things that when you're doing that, you know, you're, you're doing some red light recording mode kind of thing. You're getting some time in, in the red light recording mode where you like actually having to try to get, get, you know, do something well for a prolonged period of time and, 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 and that and and uh you know playing time with a metronome is is never a bad idea um so i i, th- I, th- I think it was a pretty good 
pretty good very nerdy uh, exercise <laughs> i think i think recording to you mentioned recording and that kind of sparked a thought for me um something that i hear all the time from my students is um the w- i always ask them to record themselves and post mm. in the community what they will you know the assignment or whatever and right you know a lot a lot of them say you know just by recording and feeling like, oh, I really have to get this right, or and then they listen back to themselves and see what it's like, that it's really, really highly effective. So I thought that was interesting that you just mentioned mm-hmm. that as well with uh, the cassette. You, you're trying, you, I think the exact words you said, where you're, you're trying to play something correctly for a prolonged period, which I think is essentially yeah. what all people who want to play music better are trying to do. They're trying to not screw up. As, 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 <laughs> yeah. They're trying to play, not screw up for as long as possible, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's one way of practicing that because, uh, uh, you know, the music just inevitably feels different once the red light is on, you know, it does for, uh, for, for really everybody. So, uh, so if you can practice being in that mode, you know, next time you go out and jam as well, where which uh, it's slightly different red light, but it's, you know, similar to the red light that you experience when, when you're recording, um, you know, if, if you can practice to be in that state, you know, it kind of prepares you for, uh, for things in a way that, uh, it, that, you know, you wouldn't be prepared if you were just playing, you know. Because that's such a huge part of it, right? Like improvis- improvising is is very psychological. So in recording is too. It's incredibly psychological. So it really is. You know, you. I I don't know. I've I've had some gigs where I played a lot of gigs, and there's some gigs where you're just like, I just I'm showing up to work today, right? It's just like I'm showing up to yeah. the the you know my cocktail hour gig, and I'm just doing this thing. There's yeah. other gigs where all of a sudden something transcends like so the, the vibe between the musicians um the way you feel about yourself and usually it's it's a state of not caring at all you're just sort of like free liberated you don't really care you're just yeah. playing and everybody's doing the same thing in the band and it's just like a surreal ex- like musical experience happens I, I feel like that's the drug that like when a musician experiences that that's yeah. what essentially motivates and drives them forward to keep trying to improve and not get, you know, tired if they hit a musical plateau. Right. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, do is that the same experience for you? No, totally. I mean, and, and, and yeah, like, you know, having experienced those moments, you crave to create more of them and as many as possible, you know, because it's like the greatest thrill is to have that moment, especially with other people. Uh, you know, when when you can make that happen in a in a live situation with other people, where you, you know, you 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 find that in in the momentness, and you you know where where everybody is clicking, and uh, and and you maybe even surprise yourself because I mean, you know, you do do your best stuff when you're fully in the moment, and if you if you can do that, um, playing with other people is the best freaking feeling in the world, and you know I've experienced it many times, and 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 it, it you know it's. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, I I don't mean to sound like uh, weird, but like I, you know, I try to cut out everything, every kind of music making that doesn't allow me to be, you know, in that kind of zone, or at least try to be in that kind of zone when I'm playing. So you know, gigs that I know will be not conducive with being you know in a in a state of enjoyment i've really made an effort to try not to do those kinds of gigs uh because i think you know um 
it's also a habit thing, you know, like the more you do something that becomes a, a habit. And I've seen because of the way also that, and this is maybe <laughs> a bit uh, broader than, than what we should be talking about. But like, you know, I think I've seen a lot of jazz players as well over the past, you know, few decades where I, I thought they've, you know, they've done too many of those types of gigs, you know, yeah. and, 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 and the norm has become to not be in that zone when you're playing because they've, they've done too many gigs where people did not care. And, and consequently they did not care that much. Uh, and, and I hate that dynamic, you know, because, um, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of jazz gets used in places nowadays where, you know, people aren't necessarily really caring about it you know whether it's like a function at a big company or um you know somebody's posh birthday party or or, what, or whatever you know do you know what i mean like oh, yeah so if, if you do too many of those kinds of things you're you're your sort of um, go-to mode when you step on stage might get, uh, you know, you might fall into a pattern, which is not the pattern that we both started out with, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a... But I mean... Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'm just, you know, it's hard to govern. And, and I'm just saying, you know, that I, I've, I've made some kind of effort to try and I'm, you know, continuously try to make an effort to take the kind of gigs that will allow me to at least have a chance of being completely in the moment and feeling like, you know, we're doing this as a, as a, you know, as a, you know, powered by passion type of uh, thing um, rather than powered by just, you know, standing in a corner and, and, uh, and, and just, you know, playing whatever for a, for a paycheck. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a powerful lesson in there for those listening, of course, who, you know, for the most part, aren't going out and trying to play a bunch of gigs like, like this, but we do train ourselves when we're constantly in a state of frustration, right? We're constantly in a state of frustration with our playing and what we're doing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we're, you know, maybe we get stuck somewhere and it's something we should work on, right? It's, it's, it's a weakness, but we focus so much on it that we start losing the enjoyment and don't forget to do the things that we actually like to play. And Mm -hmm. there must be a healthy balance in there because I kind of pulling back a little bit to, uh, in talking about the, the the studio recording session is it's psychological, but you also have to have really worked on all those things. Like we're you're practicing the two five ones, you're training yourself so it's ingrained. Like that has to be there. But then the other side is that psychological aspect where you know if you can just let go of all of that, and if we're training ourselves like you're speaking to to constantly be in a state of frustration and in upsetness, that, then we're actually picking up our instrument and having a bad relationship with it. And I, I remember the first year of college, I, I went to a music, a music school in Seattle and um, I started jamming with, you know, one of the, the older, uh, the o- older students. And he was like, Hey man, like I noticed that, you know, you scrunch your shoulders like this when you're playing right. your guitar. And I was like, Oh, I didn't notice that. And he's like, yeah, I can tell you're feeling a little tense. Like, you know, if you do that, you're going to feel really tense when you play your guitar. Right. So just, yeah try to relax a little bit and chill out. And I think you're going to play a little better. And he was completely right. That's cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so true. You know, um, like you said, you know, it's a, it's a mindset thing and it's, um, you know, that, the, 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 the sort of psychology and, and mindset behind playing is, is incredibly important and, and, and a, big, a really big part of part of how much you're going to enjoy playing and how much probably other people are going to, enjoy your playing you know uh it, it goes it goes both ways and if, and uh yeah 
So, I mean, I, I have all these weird little things, you know, that I do before I go on stage to, um, in order to give myself a good chance of being completely in the moment when I go on stage, you know, um, and Ooh, share and some of I, those. Well, it's just like, you know, doing a little, I don't remember where, it, where I learned it actually. So I can't give Jude credit, but, um, but just, you know, you know, like asking yourself a couple of, basically it's a, it's a trick to make yourself, um, visualize uh you know the, the the best situation basically or the best outcome uh, so you ask yourself you know could i um forget any hesitations and just be completely in the moment and enjoy playing this music with everybody and you say well yeah i could do that and then you say would you you know forget about everything say the same things whatever you say like you know would i would you forget everything and just be completely in the moment and enjoy playing with these people and you go yeah i'll do that and then the last question is when and you say now and then the more you you, you know you can you can insert whatever you want but those three little things you, um uh, you if you ask yourself those uh, once or twice or three times i think you know it's it's basically a way of tricking your brain to visualize actually having a great time and for me that's worked wonders in terms of me being completely in the moment when i step on stage uh which in, you know always produces a better result like if you're completely in the moment and like ready to interact with people on stage and people off stage it's just you know that's how it should be and uh i've just found that you know i'm somebody who whose brain can often veer off into places that has nothing to do with where I'm at, you know? So for me, that's really helped, uh, in order to, you know, for me to be completely in the moment, um, when I'm on stage, because I feel like, you know, that that's the only way you can, you can create uh, good music. So I feel like the, this is, this is pretty cool stuff. So I feel like it deems repeating. So the first question you ask is, is what again? Well, it's it. It can be whatever you want it to be, but yeah. it's like you know. For me, I I'm I'll, I mean I and I do different things, um, depending on what I'm doing. But it'll be like, for example, could I let go of any hesitation and and just enjoy my talent and enjoy having a great time playing with these people in front of this audience? You know, for example. And then you you say the same thing again, but this time you say, would I? do this and uh, and then you say when and you go now so this is actually from somebody somebody um created this uh, sort of system of tricking your brain to um visualize a good outcome of something and i don't remember who i learned this from so i'm sorry about that no but, it's uh, all maybe good so some, it's maybe could... some of your listeners will actually know <laughs> yeah it... yeah we'll have to look at it so it could would and when i think those are really great great yeah. questions that's it, yeah, and uh, you know it's just a little, just a little mind exercise. But uh, I found it to be super um, efficient, you know, in terms of being uh, in the moment. And uh, like I said, you know, I'm somebody who has had to work on that as a as a thing, you know, because you know my mind always has it's always brewing a piece of music or brewing this or that or thinking about this or that, you know. So and uh, <laughs> my. I remember one of my the elders in my family once telling me that I was, you know, kind of a space cadet like that with the, you, you always got something <laughs> brewing in your head. And I'm like, 
Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> oh man, you know, I can totally, I can totally relate. I can totally right, relate right. to that. That's so cool. I'm also a nerd for all that self help stuff too. So, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, I was more asking for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I'm, I'm not shy about it. You know that that that's that's how, that's how it goes. That's cool, awesome. Man. Well, Chris, so you're going to be speaking. You're one of our speakers at Learn Jazz Live 2021, which is our virtual summit that we're hosting on February 27th through the 28th. It's a really, uh, it's going to be a really awesome event. A lot of really amazing speakers are going to be there, including you, Quist. And could you just share a little bit about the workshop that you're going to be sharing at the event? Yeah, of course. And I, I want to say as well, I'm really amazed uh, about the uh, the people speaking there. I'm I'm going to be tuning into so many of them. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, like for for a start, like you know the the grandfather, you know the the godfather of uh, of of jam tracks, Jamie Abel's old. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. like, what? That's just yeah. fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I am. So my uh, workshop will be uh, what's called Think of Your Solos Like Conversations, uh, using motifs and call and response thinking to create strong, memorable, and musical solos. So, you know, uh, it's basically, uh, I'm going to talk about, you know, just basically the, the concept of thinking of your solos like, like, like a conversation where, you know, uh, any solo that really grabs people, you know, is when it's it's like you're making statements you're making clear statements that people can can relate to so um of course some solos are just um the statement is i got a lot to say in a short amount of time that's fine too but um but you know in terms of playing memorable solos there are certain tricks that you can do um to sort of foster you know, like uh, to create, you know, uh, uh, habits around, um, you know, ha- basically making making more, um, uh, you know, making solos that be- that that are more if- effective in that way. And uh, so I, I I've um, kind of worked with people um, throughout the last couple of years, um, and that gave me some some, you know, I've basically come up with some exercises that you can do in order to learn how to um, sort of think more in terms of statements for your solos, uh, and that's uh, that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna be giving away some of those uh, for this workshop. That's awesome. I'm really looking forward to that workshop. It's going to be super amazing. And so if you haven't gotten your ticket to uh, Learn Jazz Live 2021, make sure you go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash quist. Uh, definitely go to that. If you if you enjoyed this episode today and you got value from quist, learnjazzstandards.com forward slash quist and uh, get your ticket from that link. That also helps quist out as well so uh would appreciate you doing that and quist thank you so much for being on the show today this has been awesome i feel like i learned so much uh it was first of all getting great to get to know you better and second of yeah, all likewise. Just, i feel like there's uh, every single time uh, there's always some amazing little gold nuggets in there and i felt with this episode there's just these awesome little gold nuggets where i'm like never thought about it that way before or you know you know wow now i just got my next self-help nerdery thing that i'm going to try <laughs> I'm going to try out. So thanks no, I so really much. I appreciate it. I mean, yeah. like I said before we started this, I mean, you, you're doing an amazing thing here. It's, I'm, uh, I'm really amazed at, I mean, how good you are at, at uh, doing this, but obviously you've now done it as well for uh, for quite some time. So you've uh, you've really refined it. And, uh, 
and uh, and I'm a little envious at uh, how uh, <laughs> how how you how you you get to do this and and do it so well because I mean obviously all yeah practice, you, you're, my you're, you're, friend all practice you will have extracted a lot of good stuff from uh, from a lot of um, great people that's uh, pretty awesome yeah well thanks so much for being on and uh, I have a premonition you'll be back on in the future so thanks thank you. All right, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Again, big thanks to Quist for uh, just sharing his knowledge, opening up to you guys, and uh, I hope that you learned a lot from him. Hey, like I said, uh, Quist is one of our speakers at Learn Jazz Live 2021, and you should definitely be there. It's definitely uh, you know a workshop, uh, a workshop. It's many workshops, but it's a it's an event. It's a virtual summit that you're going to want to be at for sure. So go ahead and sign up at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash quist. Uh, would love to have you join us there. Even if you can't make it on February 27th through 28th, you can still get an all-access pass, which gives you uh, access to all of the recordings of the workshop after the event is over. So there's no excuse, really. So definitely sign up for that. We'd love to have you. Uh, we're going to be coming out with another great episode next week. Stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe and look forward to seeing you back then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.